All right, we're going to jump into promises to live by, uh, but before we do, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus, and Father, I pray that as I speak, that it's not my words, but it's your words, Father. I pray that you would move this morning, Holy Spirit, that you would do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Uh, what we've been talking about the last two weeks is promises to live by. I encourage you, if you've missed the last two weeks, uh, to get onto our podcast at tcf.church and listen to those, uh, especially week one of this and week two. They're very, very good. That guy that preached was awesome. No, I'm just kidding, but they are good. Don't clap. Don't clap. That's pride. Don't clap. Clap for Jesus, right? I did a, I did a, I did a, you're shaking your head. I did a wedding and they were like, I want just the anointing to fall and I want it to be so amazing. And I'm like, I told dad, God, there's a lot of pressure. He's like, there's no pressure. You don't have to do anything. It's all up to God. So, amen. So get on there and listen to those uh, to catch up if you haven't been with us. Uh, you're still going to understand exactly what we're talking about today, but I really want you to hear those uh, and what we talked about those two weeks. And so uh, be sure to get on there at tcf.church and listen to those. And what we've been talking about is Proverbs 18.21 has been our theme verse uh, for these last three weeks. And it says, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. And what I love is that you have two options when you speak. You can either speak death or you can speak life. And those are the only two options you have. And I love how it says that uh, those who love to talk will reap the consequences, right? And, and we all know that there are situations in your life where your mouth outruns your brain. Uh, you talk before you think, and you know that you reap the consequences. Uh, people who know this the best are married people. Uh, husbands, your mouth can outrun your brain, right? And you say things, and then you think, why did I just say that? right? And you very quickly reap the consequences of that, right? And so you have two options, death or life, and you're going to reap the consequences of what you say. And you have to be so careful what you speak. You have to be so careful of what you're saying, what you're speaking over your marriage, over your life, over your job, over your children, over your grandchildren. And what can so easily happen is, is we're a generation that loves to complain, right? Uh, the old generation loves to complain about how the young generation complains, right? Okay. And so we're all complaining about something. And we've been taught in our culture, kind of this fast food, this uh, give it to me now mentality. McDonald's has ruined us because we can get a burger in a minute by driving around a corner and ordering it. And because of that, when things don't go our way at the speed they should go, we get upset and we begin to complain. And what can happen in our marriage is we can get together with our friends and we can complain about our spouse. Uh, the girls get together and they complain about their husbands or the husbands complain about their wives. And what so quickly happens is, is we begin to speak negativity and death over our situations, whether it's your boss, whether it's your work, your current situation. And what you constant, what we can constantly do is speak negativity, right? And we're always speaking doubt. We're always speaking unbelief. And we have to be so careful that we're speaking life and that we're not speaking death because you will reap the consequences of either. Right, and, and every time you speak, you're almost planting seed, and you're going to reap a harvest of it. And so be careful of what seed you're putting in the ground. Be careful of what seed you're putting into your children and what you're saying over them. And we talked about this uh, two weeks ago about how you can, you know, give your kids nicknames. You know, this is our little troublemaker. This is our little bedwetter, right? And, and you give them these little nicknames or, you know, this is our little crazy one. Or, and, and you have to be so careful of what you're speaking over them and that it's not negativity, that you're not putting them down. We all know that words hurt, 
right? We all know that we could go around the room this morning and we could pass the mic to every person and you could tell of a situation where words hurt you. Right, uh, I talked about a couple of weeks ago how we, we've known women that have been in verbally abusive relationships where their husband verbally abuses them. And I've heard women say, I wish he would just hit me. Right, and, and that's an extreme situation, but he would say that thinking, you know, instead of hurting me with words. And we know that, you know, you, you learn in, in preschool that sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And we know that that's a lie, that words hurt, words are painful. And you have to be so careful of what you're speaking and what you're saying, that you're speaking life and not death, because you are going to reap the consequences. Romans 4.17, uh, and this is all review, I want you to... I'm going to read it to you. It says, as it is written, Paul's talking about Abraham. I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into pain things that were not. Now, you may, uh, if you've been around church much, like growing up and things, you may have heard, call those things that be not as though they were. And that's a pretty famous statement. And that's what Paul is talking about. He's talking about how that we're all the children of Abraham. And if you grew up in church, you grew up in Sunday school, you've heard the song, Father Abraham. You know, Father Abraham had many sons, and I am one of them. And because of Abraham, the Jewish nation was born out of him. Because of Jesus, we were welcomed into that family, and we are now all the children of Abraham. And that's what he was promising to Abraham. And Paul in Romans is looking back and talking about that God called into being things that were not. See, uh, Abraham, you know, and Sarah, Sarah's 90, Abraham's old, and God shows up and says, takes him outside his tent and says, hey, look, see all the stars. That's how many descendants I'm going to give you. And he said, man, you know, uh, we're old. I mean, you have to think like, he wasn't like, oh, mighty God, thank you for this great gift. I mean, he starts telling God, how's that going to work, you know? Uh, you know, Sarah's 90. She hadn't wanted to have sex in 40 years. So, you know, how's this? I mean, just let, let's get real for a minute, people. I mean, right? You know? I mean, the logistics of like, how is this going to happen? <clears throat> And God said, you know, I'm going to give you these children. I'm going to call those things that be not as though they were. God was confessing. God was calling into existence things that were not yet. And I heard a pastor say one time that if you ever want a new car, clean out a spot in your garage and mark where your car is going to be. Right? When people come over, they say, why is that spark? You say, that's where my new car is going to go. Right? And that's calling things that be not as though they were. Right? You want a new TV? Clear out space for your new TV right? And you're calling things into existence. And that's what God was, was doing with Abraham. He was calling those things. He didn't show up with the son and say, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. He said, Hey, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And, and, and it's not going to happen for a while. Right? And God was confessing. God was speaking. We know that in Genesis chapter one, that God used words to create everything. And he could have done it any way he wanted to, but he used words. And he created us at the end and said, I want to make them in our image and in our likeness. And I believe that Genesis chapter one is an example of what God wants us to do and the way God wants us to live by saying, your words have power. Your words have the power to create or to destroy right? And you have the opportunity and the decision to do with that what you want. And so 
God is calling those things that be not as though they were. We talked about how that if you're, you know, you want your husband to take out the trash and he won't do it. You know, you don't want to have to ask. You just want him to come in when the trash is full, take it out. That when, when you take the trash out, ladies, that as you're walking to the dumpster, you say, my husband takes the trash out. Every day when he gets home, he takes the trash out. You're confessing, you're calling those things that be not as though they were right? Instead of walking out there and saying, I wish I could throw my husband in the dumpster, right? You confess and you call those things that be not as though they were. And this can apply to every situation in your life. You know, whether it's money, whether it's your job, whether it's relationships, whether it's over your kids, you begin to confess, you know, in ground zero, I'll get up and say, y'all are the best youth group in the world. You're the best youth group, right? Y'all love God more than anybody. They don't, but I'm calling it as they did, Right? I mean, they're not the best youth group. I mean, some of them are, you know, and then then some of them are not. But it's like we call that into existence. We're believing that. We're confessing that and speaking that over them. And so uh, I want to encourage you to call those things that be not as though they were and to begin to confess and call in what you want and not just call in what what is in reality and begin to call in what you want. Now, I've got... uh, three confessions that we're going to cover this morning. But before we do, I, I kind of want to take a, a side turn to talk to you about something. Uh, one of the things this week, as I was on Facebook and I saw a post about, uh, it was about a young, young girl in South America who died for 23 hours and went to hell. And she talked about what she saw in hell. And so I kind of read through the first part of it. And then I began to research it. And I found a video of the same thing. Uh, and it was posted back in 2012. So I assume that this story has been circulating for a very long time. Maybe you saw it. Maybe you didn't. It doesn't really matter. Uh, the story talked about how this girl uh, died and Jesus took her to hell and showed her people in hell. And sh- he showed her one of the popes. He showed her Michael Jackson. He showed her Selena, and all of these people were in hell. And as I began to read this, it kind of began to bug me. It began to not sit right with me. And I began to think, like, is this true? Is this real? You know, what what is this? And so I began to think about how in every situation in your life, everything you do, every decision you make, everything you hear, you have to line it up with the Word of God. Okay, the Word of God is your compass in the world. Okay, now, I'm going to step on some toes, but just because it's a Christian movie doesn't mean everything in that movie is right, okay? Uh, Just because a Christian TV show put it on doesn't mean everything in there is right. Uh, Just because it's a Christian book doesn't mean everything in it is right. You always have to go back to the Word of God and say, what does the Bible say? Right? What does the Bible say about this situation? So I began to think about it. I began to pray about this story. I began to ask God about it. And the first thing that, that jumped to my mind is, is Jesus does not hang out in hell. There is no story in the Bible anywhere where Jesus took someone to hell. Nowhere. Okay, here's the next thing. The devil and his fallen angels, now listen to me, the devil and his fallen angels want to go to hell as bad as you do. Okay? The devil does not hang out in hell. He doesn't visit, doesn't have a pool table, okay? Okay, I'm, 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 I'm being serious. The devil does not hang out in hell. Do you know where he hangs out? Your house. No, I'm just kidding. On the earth. That's what I tell the kids in Ground Zero. And they're like, no. It's like, yeah, you. No. 
The devil's on the earth. His fallen angels are on the earth. They don't go to hell. Every time that Jesus in the New Testament cast a demon out of someone, the demons always told him, don't torment us before our time, which meant it's not time for us to go to hell and we know it. And don't send us. One time Jesus crossed a sea in a boat. And when they get off, they get off right at a cemetery. And this crazy guy who's naked comes running out of the tombs. Running out and runs up to him. He's a lunatic, acting crazy. And Jesus stops him and he talks to the demon inside of him and says, who are you? And the demon says, we are legion because we are many. Okay, that's where that story came from, right? If you've ever heard legion. And he says, we are many because there was many demons inside of him. And they tell Jesus, don't torment us before our time. Right? And they say, you see all those pigs over there on that hill? Let us go into those pigs. And Jesus says, okay, go. And these demons go into over 2,000 pigs, and the pigs run off of a, a hill and kill themselves. Okay? Because they did not want to go to hell. And so what you have to understand is, is that Jesus does not give tours of hell. Okay? The second thing about that story that bugged me is that he showed who was there. She claims the people that she saw. Okay? First of all, it's way above our pay grade to decide who's in hell. Okay, okay, I'm I'm being serious. You, You know, we can joke that, oh, that person may deserve it, but that's way above our pay grade. The Bible says that only God can judge a man's heart, that only God can know what's on a man's heart. And we know that we don't go to hell because of the way we live, but because of who we don't know. Right, You get into heaven because of Jesus, right? I'm the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus, not because of what I've done, but because of what he's done. Right? It's not up to me, he's already done it. And that can be a hard concept to get your head around, and you can't get your head around it. You just have to have faith and believe in it. And that doesn't give us you know, a reason, oh, well, I'm gonna go sin and live a horrible life because it doesn't matter. Uh, because the Bible says that sin leads to death, and you're gonna face those consequences on the earth, Right? If you go out and live a horrible life, you're going to face those consequences right here, okay, uh, because of the decisions you make. And so what I want you to understand with this is, is there's nowhere in the Bible where Jesus takes anybody, uh, Jesus shows anybody. Uh, there's the story of Lazarus, and he's in Abraham's bosom. Now, that was before Jesus died on the cross, and so they hadn't gone to heaven yet. Uh, they were still remodeling, and they hadn't opened yet. So they were all in a holding place called Abraham's bosom. Obviously, it was kind of close to hell because they could see each other. And a man in hell tells Abraham, man, tell Lazarus to dip his finger in water and dip it on my tongue to cool and ease my pain. And he says, no, we can see each other, but it's a really far gap. You know, we're not real close together. We can't do that. And he says, well, tell Lazarus to go back and tell my brothers not to come to this place. And Abraham says, no, uh, if, if they don't believe the prophets, which means if they don't believe Rusty and if they don't believe Kurt, they're not going to believe a dead man. Right. And that's what he tells him. And dad always says, that's the most scary verse in the Bible. Right, because if they won't believe, if you won't believe me, you wouldn't believe a dead man if he stood up here about heaven and about hell and to stay away from it and to serve Jesus. You wouldn't believe him, okay? And that's the only story that we really have of people being in hell. But that was in Abraham's bosom. Uh, then, obviously, when Jesus died on the cross, he went there after he was raised from the dead, got everybody, and took him to heaven, okay? And so I saw that story, and it just kind of bugged me. Uh, the things that were said in it. And what I want you to understand is that when you read those things, you have to be careful to think like, oh, well, 
you know, a Christian website posted this, so it has to be true, or, or so-and-so commented on this, so it must be true, and always go back to your Bible, always read the Word of God, and if you can't find it, if you don't know, give us a call, we'll help you out, we'll, I'll look for it, I'll see if I can find it. There was a verse I thought was in the Bible, and this week I looked through it, and I could not find it, and I, and I thought, like, I knew that was in there, but I couldn't find it, and it's like, always go back to the Word of God, and always use that as your compass, and as your guide, and don't just believe everything you see throughout media, because it's not always true, and so don't, you know, I mean, I I don't know, you know, I mean, you know, Michael Jackson has a daughter, and some lady posts that she saw him in hell, that has to be tormenting to you uh, as a a person to think like, oh, my family's in hell, and it's like that's, uh, you know, above their pay grade, and, and Jesus isn't hanging out in hell, and so I wanted to tell you that to tell you to always use your Bible, always go back to the word of God and don't just take everything you hear. If I said something and you think, I don't know about that, go look at your Bible, see what your Bible says. And if I'm preaching something wrong, you give me a call and, and I'll fix it. Uh, and so always use your Bible and always look back at that. Now I want us to jump into our promises, uh, for this morning. Uh, we talked about the last couple of weeks, how the greatest promise is John three sixteen that because of Jesus Christ, you have eternal life. Last week we talked about how second Corinthians five twenty one is the second greatest promise and confession, which is I'm the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Because of Jesus, I'm made right with God. When God looks at you, he's, he's a perfect son or daughter because of the blood of Jesus and nothing else. Nothing that you do. The Bible says that Jesus, that God will accept no sacrifice, right? There's no sacrifice that you can give that he wants because the debt's already been paid, right, by the blood of Jesus. We talked last week about how you don't pay your car off and just keep paying, right? When you're done, you're done. You don't send them another nickel thinking, well, I just want to make sure it was paid off, right? I just want to double check. So here's another check. No, you're like, that thing better be paid off, right? And if they call and say, you owe me money, you're like, I ain't paying you nothing, all right? The same way with your salvation. It's been paid. Quit sending in checks, okay? Because God will accept no sacrifice. And you are right with God because of the blood of Jesus. Now, I want to read to you Psalms 91 verse 4. And uh, I, I love this because it says he will, it's talking about God. God will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Now, this is a promise about God's promises, okay? It says that God's going to cover you with his feathers, shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection, It talks about how the the promises of God are your armor and protection. That as you confess the word of God, as you speak these promises over your life, over your children, they protect you and they're your armor. I mean, I think that's so amazing. Now, think about this as a promise. Think about this as confessing. God, I pray that you cover me with your feathers, that you shelter me with your wings, and that your promises are my armor and my protection. I mean, that's something so amazing that you can begin to confess. Now, I told you last week, if you confess anything, it's 2 Corinthians 5.21. I'm the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. You need to be confessing that over you, your children, your marriage, your family today. Not wait. You need to write that down, put it on your mirror, put it up somewhere, and begin to confess that. And I love how it says that he'll cover you with his feathers, shelter you with his wings, and his faithful promises are your armor and protection. That as you confess, as you speak the word of God, it's your armor and it's your protection. 
the promises of God. And there's over 5,000 of them. We couldn't even begin to get into them. Now, this is out of Psalms 91. Psalms 91, that whole chapter is all about the protection of God, how God's going to cover you, shelter you, protect you, keep you safe. That is a great chapter to jump into and to begin to read and to begin to confess it and just begin to get up in the morning and read that out loud, read that whole chapter until you don't have to look at your Bible anymore. You can just quote it, right? And then you can think about moving on to something else. It's not about quoting a bunch of scripture okay it's not about a bunch right you know if you just get up and say i'm the righteousness of god in christ jesus that's enough it's not about doing a lot no i I need i need a hundred verses that i quote every day it's about just doing that till you don't even have to think about it you just start quoting it right because we know the bible says out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks what what's inside of you comes out And we talked about how the easiest way to find out is to get on I-27 and have somebody cut you off going down the highway. And real quickly, what's inside of you begins to come out, right? In a bad situation, in in a situation, you know, uh, if you get into a bad storm or you get into, you know, kind of a a crisis with your car, you get an unexpected bill in the mail that you didn't know was coming, right? And very quickly, what's inside your heart begins to come out of your mouth and you begin to speak. And the thing about it is, is the more you confess the word, the more you speak the word, the more you read the word, you begin to put that in your heart, right? And then what happens is that begins to force that other junk out because there's no room for it. And you begin to put that in your heart. Then in those situations, the word of God begins to come out of you. And then you're not, you know, such a raging lunatic, right? And you know, that, that my mom told me the other day, she said, you used to be such a shy, quiet little boy, and now you're a maniac. And I was like, a, a maniac? I mean, I mean, that just seemed a little harsh. It's like, I can be a maniac if you want me to, but but what that is so many times is, you know, is, you know, our family has problems with anger, right? Uh, you know, we, I, I can get mad. Dad can get mad. You know, it's like you want to break stuff. The weed eater won't run, and you want to smash the weed eater in the driveway, right, to smash it to a million pieces. I had a guy tell me after the first service, he said, the good news is, is that weed eater won't ever give you any more problems because it's taken care of, right? It's done for. And, and, and that anger, and what you have to do is you have to begin to put the word of God in you because then in those situations, that's what will begin to come out of you. And it's so important that you begin to read the word, read, you know. And like I said a couple of weeks ago, start in the New Testament. Uh, start in the New Testament. Don't read the Old Testament. Uh, don't jump into Ecclesiastes and start reading your Bible, okay, because you're going to read like a chapter and think, I'm done. Read the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all about Jesus. Acts is about the church, right? Uh, you know, Romans, Ephesians, those are all letters from Paul. First uh, and Second Timothy, he's writing to Paul or to Timothy who's starting the church. Jump into those, right? You know, find a book that's got like three chapters and start reading that. And then if you want to get in the Old Testament, the two books, the only two books you need to focus on at first are Psalms and Proverbs. Okay, Psalms is poetry, and Proverbs is the wisdom chapter. It's all about wisdom. Okay, and those are the only two you should jump into, uh, you know, when you're first reading your Bible. And as you read those, I mean, I mean three of my promises today are all out of Psalms. And Psalms is great. Uh, it can be easy to read. It can be fun to read uh, because it's poetry uh, written. A lot of it's written by David, and so it can be very amazing. And so I love Psalms 91 because God's going to cover you, shelter you, and his promises are your armor and your protection. I want to read you Psalms 119. 105. Uh, I pray this a lot. A lot of times when I pray uh, in ground zero and when I pray over people, I always pray this. You know, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path, right? The word of God. I mean, the word of God is full of God promises. We could take and say, 
Your promises are a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. This is so easy to begin to confess and to begin to speak over yourself. God, I pray your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Right, we know the world is a very dark place. Last night we did a wedding right here in church, and I told them that, that the, the wedding, that marriage is a covenant before God, that God views it as a covenant, that you're coming together. The Bible says that you're, you're one flesh, that you're not two separate people anymore, you're one flesh. The Bible says your souls are tied together, right? Uh, my first message ever in Ground Zero was on soul ties. I don't know who gave me permission to preach that. but that, and, and so what I told them is, is that the world's a dark place. The world has its own views of marriage. The world is trying to tell us what it thinks of marriage. Right? Our culture tells us what it thinks of marriage, and that's fine. But we're always going to look to the Word of God. We're going to look to the Bible, and we're going to use that as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Right? I'm not going to take what the world says. I'm going to take what the word of God says. And I'm going to use that as my compass. Now, what I love about this, if you've ever uh, been camping or out in the woods uh, and you're trying to find a, a place at night, uh, even if you're trying to get somewhere or try to, you know, you're running to the bathroom, if like you're tent camping, right? And if you have a lantern, that works really good because it'll light up a little bit, you know, around your feet. But it doesn't really shoot down the path, right? It doesn't light up. It's just right there kind of in front of you. And you can see a few feet out in front of you. And what I love about this is it says that your word is a lamp, or you could say a lantern to guide my feet so that I can see around me, but then it's also a light that shoots down my path. And if you're ever out in the woods or out at night and you're trying to get around, you're trying to see something, you're trying to find something, you, not only do you need to see where your feet are going, but you need to be able to see out in front of you, right? You can't, you can't do this, you can't walk like that, right? When I was kids, you know, we'd be walking down a parking lot. Mom would always say, look up, look up. And it's like, oh, look up. Quit looking at your feet, right? And so you have to have that light that's shooting down the path, right? You need a, you need a lantern and you need a spotlight shooting down the path so you can see that grizz hiding behind a tree that's wanting to jump out at you, right? And so you got to have both of those lights, and that's what the Word of God is. It's a lamp to your feet, and it's a light to your path, and it'll begin to guide and direct you. This is something so amazing to pray and speak over your kids. Uh, Megan and I will take turns putting Annie to bed at night. You know, we'll just do every other night we switch off. And one of the things that we do is I go into a room, we, you know, you have the whole nighttime process and we'll read her a book. Uh, you know, I'll ask her, do you want me to tell you a story? And she'll, sometimes she'll nod her head. Sometimes she's like, no, sometimes I'll sing and she'll try to put her passy in my mouth. And I'm like, do I not sing good? <sighs> Poor kid. And uh, one of the things I always do is before I put her to bed is I pray over her. And I always pray that she'll have good dreams, that she won't be scared, that, you know, God hasn't given her a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I always pray Psalms 119, that, God, I pray that your word is a lamp to her feet and a light to her path, that you're guiding and directing her, that you give her wisdom, right? And that's what you begin to pray, and that's so amazing to pray and speak over your kids, is, uh, God, I pray that your word, you know, is a lamp and a light to our path. Psalms 23, verse 6. This is our last one for this morning. Now, Psalms 23, the whole chapter is a very famous 
uh, section of a verse. And it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, Psalms 23, like I said, is, is very famous. You know it. You could probably begin to quote it right now. Uh, one time in Ground Zero, we'll do a memory verse each week. Uh, not a new one, but we'll stay on a verse for about a month, and we'll say, if you can quote the memory verse to me across the street, uh, I'll give you a dollar card. And it's a little card, and it works anywhere in Ground Zero, and they can buy candy or get a smoothie or something with that. And so one time one of the kids came in and they couldn't remember the verse we were on. And I said, well, can you quote John three sixteen? And this little girl said, well, that verse doesn't count. And I said, well, what do you mean? She says, well, everybody knows that verse. And so what happened, you know, in this, this girl's mind was, is that verse had lost its power because it was too well known. And a lot of times verses like, you know, Psalms chapter 23 is it's too well known. You know it too well. And so you don't think about using it or speaking it, but think about beginning to confess that God, I pray that goodness and mercy follow me all day. And then I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You drop your kids off at school and you say, I pray that goodness and mercy follow you all day. And think about that for a minute. Think about saying and confessing, God, I pray that goodness follows me all day. That goodness follows me. That mercy follows me. That when I walk into my job, that goodness and mercy follow me. Right? When I, when I walk onto any situation in my life, that goodness and mercy follow me. Right? Uh, Stephen Hernandez in the fire department, they fought a, a small fire the other night, uh, and then he came over to the wedding reception, and when they get out to a fire, think about goodness and mercy follow me. Right? Uh, I, I know that there's many of you in here that have uh, dangerous jobs, and when you get to your job, you say, goodness and mercy follow me today, and I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And you just begin to confess that. You begin to speak that over yourself. You begin to speak that God protects me. God covers me. I get my wisdom and my knowledge from God. And begin to speak that and confess that. Now, I want to read you Romans 18, 21 just one more time. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who talk will reap the consequences. And that you have two options, either death or life. And that's it. And be so careful and be so aware of what you're saying. If you would, bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray that as we speak, you would bring to our mind uh, of what we're saying. That, Father, if we're speaking death, you would bring it to our awareness and that we would begin to change that. Father, I pray that we would begin to read your word, we would dig into your word, and that we would begin to put that in our heart. And, Father, that that's what would begin to come out of us. That's what we would begin to speak and confess over our families our marriages, our children, our jobs, our every situation in our life, that we would begin to speak and confess the word of God. Father, I pray that your word would be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path in this dark world, and that you would guide and direct us each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen.